Hey there, Odie Tuggers. This is Kevin McGinley, your K-Scope 21 conference chair. Uh, this is the K-Scope Uncovered podcast where we go behind the scenes of how we plan our annual K-Scope conference. Good to be with you all here. This is uh, late December timeframe that we're recording this episode uh, after the Christmas holidays. And we are knee deep in the planning cycle right now, looking at all of the abstracts that were submitted by possible presenters. Um, and our teams are hard at work at, at sort of going through that process, which we're actually gonna be talking a lot more about on this episode, how we do it and the sort of uh, nitty gritty behind the scenes of, of how abstracts get selected. Uh, but before we get to that, let me just kind of cover off a few other areas of, of things that we're doing right now. Um, as you potentially would have seen, we've also announced that there's going to be a virtual event after K-Scope. Um, the dates were announced uh, as August 30th to September 10th. We wanted to do this because we knew there were going to be some challenges this year with, with COVID with regards to, you know, certain people being able to attend a live conference, uh, either because there may be coming from an international location where travel is a bit more restricted or uh, maybe your company isn't uh, opening up travel yet uh, by the end of June timeframe um, for you to be able to attend a live conference. So we wanted to be able to handle sort of all audiences or all potential audiences with regards to those who can make it there in person uh, at the end of June uh, versus the people who can't. So we're, we're hard at work on sort of planning what that virtual event is going to be like, what its structure is, how it's going to flow, what different components we're going to include in that. Um, so that's definitely one thing that the conference committee is is hard at work at right now. And, and that's coming along and we'll have uh, more to announce there in the uh, you know coming weeks and months around how that's going to work. There's always other things that go on behind the scenes uh, in, in planning K-Scope. We're looking at you know things like floor plans with regards to uh, how the Gaylord in Tennessee is is sort of aligned and how um, rooms might be aligned to certain tracks and how the exhibit hall is going to be laid out um, as well as just how the flow uh, will go from day to day and session to session with regards to you know how things are sort of clustered together and when things are spread apart how we make sure that there's ample time and, and space for people to, to get from one place to the other. So floor plans are being uh, heavily looked at right now in terms of what the conference space is like at the Gaylord. Um, and then we're getting into some, some other conversations as well in terms of, you know, how we do things like community night, for example, we've been meeting with the uh, community, OD Tug community leads around what's, uh, what community night is gonna be like and what types of things that we can do there as well as you know, trying to think about how the, the schedule's gonna flow and the different events that we're gonna do, maybe you know, looking at where we might not do certain things this year because of uh, COVID. So there, there might be some slight changes to the normal K-scope schedule as, as it relates to that. Some other changes that we maybe add in as, as replacement activities uh, instead. Um, so those are all the types of things that we're looking at right now, um, but I wanted to spend uh, a good part of this episode sort of uh, talking through the abstract selection process and, and really give everybody a, a nitty gritty behind the scenes look at, at how that 
that process flows, which leads me to my guest on this episode, uh, the analytics content chair, Mr. Gary Adishak. Gary, how you doing? Kevin, thank you. Glad to be with you. Look forward to chatting with you about uh, some of the behind the scenes, a little bit of uh, wizard behind Wizard of, Wizard of Oz and behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, we even have, it's not the Wizard of Oz, of course, we'd be sued for, for copyright infringement or trademark infringement, but uh, we have that little sort of curtain peeled back in our podcast graphic uh, that sort of uh, alludes to that. That was a little bit of the uh, inspiration behind that graphic. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what we're here to talk about today. So I guess let, before we get into that, let's let's give everybody a little bit of history of of you and and Odie Tug, you, um, what what was your sort of progression um, in your sort of volunteering with Odie Tug? Like, how, how did you first start volunteering? What kind of role did you play? And how did you ultimately sort of progress up to, to be a con- content chair on the conference committee? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking, Kevin. I'd say for me, it felt natural in the sense that uh, I actually started K-Scope and my, you know, relationship with the Odie Tug community uh, over 10 years ago uh, at this point, which is kind of unreal to, to think about. Uh, I had never heard of the conference before, and uh, one of the consulting partners that was working for us uh, had mentioned it and thought that it would be a, a great fit for me as a conference to be able to go just as an attendee. And so... I was fortunate to be able to to get the opportunity to to go, and uh, my first one was actually when it was hosted in Washington D.C. And from that point, I I really fell in love with it after just that one week of the conference. Uh, it was an opportunity and a chance for me to get together and meet with people that I quote met online through different chats or blogs or uh, you know forums that were out there and got to put a, a face and a, a actual person with the the name on a chat board uh, to, you know, talk with them about issues that we were dealing with and trying to tackle in real life. Uh, you know, from there, uh, really kind of year over year, things progressed to where uh, someone actually suggested and recommended, you know, based on some of the other content that they, they had seen me publishing uh, or just talking with them either through my blog or uh, you know chatting back and forth with them with the the forums or the email you know that I should present. Uh, so I started to now submit myself for presentations and go through that process as a submitter of abstracts and content. Uh, was fortunate to be you know accepted a few different times uh, along the way, and you know to me it it kind of peaked at the point of, you know, being able to proudly say that I was uh, a best speaker in a track uh, one of the years that I presented. Nice. Uh, Yeah, yeah, really, really honored uh, that that was able to receive that, uh, that award. And really from there, you know, people in the, in the committee reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we've seen how things have been going for you. You know, people look to you as a a leader in the in the industry and you know would you consider being a part of you know the track team so leading up the primarily epm tracks in the beginning 
Uh, and then, you know, being a content uh, chair for EPM, and then uh, wanted to kind of shift gears slightly as I was having just personal interests in other areas, analytics specifically, and now doing the, the analytics chair role, which I'm really, really enjoying. Yeah, and, and that, uh, the timing of that, is, as I recall, you and I talking turn, turned out to be good because that was, you know, when we had someone vacate that position and we needed someone someone else to fill it. So you were, uh, you were a great option at that point, you know, having, having had experience on the conference committee, but also given the new work that you were sort of working in and in the analytics space, that, that was just sort of a, a good natural progression for you and good, good timing overall. So, yeah. So thanks for taking that on. I really appreciate it. Yep. yep. And I, and I, and I, I also think it's worth mentioning or emphasizing one of the things that you pointed out with regards to your own sort of trajectory and that, and that's how you started kind of by putting a lot of good content out there on your own, whether that was through a blog or a forum or whatever, you know, that that's how people noticed that you had, good things to say and, and you were knowledgeable in your content area. Um, you know, we always get questions all the time. How can I become a speaker at, at K-Scope? And, and I think your story is a, is a good path to follow. I think it starts with put yourself out there in the ways that you can control, right? Like you can't control whether you're selected at a, at a conference or not. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that here in the next 20 minutes or so, but um, you know, you, you can control your own ability to publish your own stuff and put your own stuff out there. There are great sites and, and tools for, for, you know, sort of self-publishing and self-promotion. Um, that's a great way to get noticed uh, by your peers, just, just as you did. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Kevin. I, I would also encourage people, you know, similar to your mention, that there are a lot of free ways to be able to you know, create your own blog, start writing and documenting what you're doing. Uh, some of it is for other people. You know, for me, I was doing it because I wanted to share what I knew with other people and wanted them to know and learn and find out about the tips or tricks or uh, a pain point that I was able to solve that wasn't necessarily documented. Um, you know, those kinds of thank yous that I get are really rewarding. Um, and I wanted to be able to just share with people generally, um, you know, to me, it's a good way to your point. It's a really good way to be your own editor and also at the same time, develop your storytelling skills. You know, right. by doing your writing, you're able to craft the story how you want it narrated in the time frame that you want to narrate it. So. A lot of times you think of in your work world, you know, there's a deadline, a strict structure that you have to follow. You know, you're under the, the pressure of, you know, having to deliver at a certain time, a certain moment. But with that type of a forum, you don't necessarily have that type of restriction unless there's a specific, you know, bug or version or, you know, some other constraint that way. You have the ability to take your time, proofread it yourself go through the material and make sure that it's a quality that that you're satisfied with because uh, ultimately it's going to be out there quote forever um, right and I think the, the other point I'd put to that is you know there are there have been times uh, I'm not embarrassed to say it that I've actually Google searched the question I had and found found my own material <laughs> not, not remembering that I had actually you know solved that issue before. 
uh, once in the past. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, you thank yourself for doing that because, you know, a lot of times it's like mentioned things that aren't documented. So glad that uh, you documented yourself. So. Awesome. All right. So let's, let's give our listeners a little bit of a a sort of play by play for, for how this whole content selection unfolds, because, you know, one one of the reasons that I wanted to start a podcast like this as, as a conference chair is I wanted to, to sort of dispel uh, any of the sort of mystical illusions there are about, you know, what we do and how we do it. And, and that there's, you know, some sort of, uh you know super secret magic formula um and you know i thought i thought it'd be good if we just sort of talk through and and you've got experience as both us a, a, you know selection team member a track lead and now a content chair so so i'm going to have you provide all the the sort of color commentary of what your experiences are like and and how you sort of approach those roles and and positions um in your volunteering but let let's Let's start with, uh, you know, the abstracts have a deadline. Um, you know, I, I don't remember the exact date that we did. I think November 12th. Does that ring a bell? Um, where, where maybe 16th. I could be wrong on that. I should have a calendar in front of me to verify that. But uh, somewhere in there, abstracts close. Um, and the process begins. So I guess first we should talk about sort of the structure of what we have, right? So we have the conference committee, which is made up of myself and content chairs like yourself in the different areas, as well as a few other members. Um, And then the content chairs go through and select a track lead. So so talk about sort of the track teams a little bit and and how they form. Yeah, so to your point, wanting to be able to identify a track lead you know this is someone who i look to as the you know person that is going to be responsible for a team of other individuals that are looking at content reviewing providing their commentary going through all the different sessions and rating them Uh, so this person to me is someone who has to have a, a keen sense of you know detail and be able to make sure that you know the detail is organized uh, for the rest of their team that they're responsible for as well as themselves. So you know that's something that I'm looking at is you know can I trust this person? Are they responsible uh, to be able to handle that type of responsibility? And you know. At the same time, it's not only just about those, you know, those parts or the structure of that, but it's also somebody that I need to know understands the material and the topics that yep. they're going to be, you know, taking a look at this, you know, material across the track, and feel comfortable that they're going to be able to provide good direction to that to the rest of that group. Um, so I, I think it's a it's got to be a good combination of both of those pieces. Yeah, uh, it's really those two in combination that, to me, is someone that would make a a good you know lead for that track. Um, and I would almost say that it would go across almost any of the tracks. Uh, sure, it would be that that would be the sweet spot of the the combination that someone would be looking for. Yeah, and so then that person along with you helps to pick the selection team, which is 
anywhere from let's say four to eight people depending on the track and and you know sort of the people available at, at any given time um and you know what what would you say is sort of the primary role of of those people the selection team members how would you describe their role yeah i think you hit it right you know the the number between four and eight is is a good number you know less than four and you're not getting enough uh, debate between the the people on the track uh, with the track lead. Um, too many people, it just sometimes becomes uh, noisy versus constructive. Yeah. Um, but the the role of the people on the track, the the content uh, committee, uh, to me, they're they're responsible for going through each and every one of the abstracts, reading through. Uh, and they've changed over time, but primarily the summary and the detail of those abstracts, uh, yep. taking a look at uh, who is the actual presenter, uh, what company are they representing a part of their submission, uh, have they submitted something in the past, uh, if they have, were they any good, uh, you know, does somebody know them, have they seen them before present, uh, kind of giving some of that uh, uh, in the back of their mind while they're going through. Uh, to me, to me, the the most important part is you've got, you know, depending on the track size of how many submissions are sent in. You know, I'll speak for analytics. Uh, year over year, it's been somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred. Uh, could be plus or minus, but let's call it a hundred abstracts. Um, you want to be able to have people that are going to go through, take the time to be able to review that. You know, it's not a, a three-minute process. A hundred abstracts you're going to read through. There may be a, a page or two a piece. Uh, you want to make sure you give it uh, its justice when you do that. Uh, it's going to take a few hours potentially. Uh, going through that, you know, they're responsible for reading through them. And I've always talked with the, you know, the track lead to say, hey, you know, when people are going through, have them, you know, they're taking the time to go ahead and do that and, and read it and provide a, a review or a rating or a score, make sure they put some commentary in there to go back and, you know, if there are any questions of why this got rated a, a specific score or not, they have some reasons and justification behind that. It also refreshes your memory. So after reading through 100, you you actually can go back and quickly, you know, cliff note version, understand, oh yeah, I gave this a rating of one, two, three, four, or five because of this reason. So yeah, it's, that to me is the, the primary responsibility of of the the track team and content reviewers. Yeah. So so before we get too deep into voting itself, because I do want to drill into some of the things you just said there, let me let me rewind a little bit in in the sort of chronology of everything that happens because we did sort of skip over a step that's that's pretty important once abstract submission closes. So what we do is um, we first load up all of the sessions into an Apex application that was developed uh, by, by members of the community that helps us with the, the review process. Um, and the very first thing that our track leads look for are any sessions that were submitted into the wrong track. Um, what, what are your thoughts on why that could happen? I, I know I've seen some instances of it in the past, um, but but what what are you what do you think people are looking for when they're looking for whether a session's in the right track or not so i think there's i mean there's potentially a few different reasons why 
uh, session lands in quote the wrong track. Um, I mean, I think that sometimes there's I don't want to say it's confusion in the in the person who's submitting the abstracts mind, but I think there's some you know flexibility to where that abstract or that submission could fall. Um, I would say, Kevin, that I would I would say that a lot of times it's where uh, people have a solution or a presentation or topic that uses multiple technologies in it yeah i think that's the the biggest you know population of uh, submissions that we end up saying hey does this one belong in database versus apex versus you know this epm specific you know subtrack uh it it's because they have multiple technologies that are included Right. A lot of times you're you're doing a you know a specific EPM with an integration, or you're doing a, an Apex with a database, or you. So I think there's a. Well, I think this is where it best fits, and then as a as a committee we we look at it and go, I could see why you'd put it there, but it really I think belongs more in this other track. And yeah. So you, you make that determination you know after it's been submitted. Um, I don't think it's purposeful, uh, but I, I think that there is some just, well, I'm going to put it here because I'm using multiple and maybe it's a, a comfort level for that speaker potentially. Or or sometimes, you know, like I've seen, you know, with an EPM, sometimes something gets put into S space where it should be in planning or planning where it should be in S space. And, and even within analytics, we, we have... AI and machine learning within analytics, but we also have AI and machine learning within emerging technologies, and we understand the difference between the two of those. Uh, but but sometimes the submitters may not be as clued into that distinction as to to why we have it in sort of two different places and how they're different. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that can occur as well. So. And and that's okay. I mean, it's it's a known thing. We we always the, the bottom line is we want to make sure that every session gets its proper due and consideration within the best track that we think it's appropriate for, um, because each each team or each track does have its own team. Um, so that that sort of four to eight people that we talked about is per track. So we have eleven tracks this year. Um, so so we have you know anywhere from. I don't know the exact number, but let's call it 50 to 80 people who are who are all reviewing across all these different tracks, and and we want to make sure the right people are looking at a given session. So that's roughly a one-week period of time um, that we sort of go through to, uh, you know, make sure everything's in the right place. And and even after that one-week period of time, there's the occasional after enough people read a given abstract. Uh, there might be a thought of, hey, you know what, I really think this one should move. And then we have to go through sort of a special process to make sure everybody sees that and knows that. But but in general, we take about a week or so to, to kind of decide whether uh, any sessions need to move between tracks. And then we open up voting. So that's the sort of next step in the process, and which you were alluding to with the the, you know, track team members taking the time and the many hours to read through each one. Um, you know, I can I can tell you from my own experience, like going through a hundred abstracts, it's not even just reading them once. I often have to go back, especially the ones that I read in the beginning um, and maybe 
think about how I would score that in the beginning after I read some of the ones near the end, I think to myself, oh, you know, there were there were some sessions that were similar to each other. Let me go back and reread those um, and, and compare and contrast them and see if see if I can understand, you know, which which one's going to be more appropriate for the conference or wh which one I think is the better one of this particular topic area to choose. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I, I know that I've specifically done exactly what you said, which is I'll read an abstract in the very beginning and then come across one or potentially two others that are similar and go back and, you know, between that handful, really kind of rate them amongst each other then at that point, uh, because it is about finding the, the best content for the conference. Um, and then to your other point that you mentioned just before this, which was, you know, in talking about making sure we have the, the abstracts in the right tracks, you know, we, we want to make sure we do that also because when, when there's an abstract that's in a quote, you know, misaligned track, it's not in the one that it probably should be, it probably would get rated, you know, on a lower, lesser, yeah, yeah, get a lower yeah that's rate. a good point. Yeah. Uh, so you want to make sure that to your earlier comment of having, you know, every abstract get its fair due, you know, an abstract that's in the right placement would probably get rated appropriately. Now, right. it could get a low score just because it's not, you know, a, a good abstract, but we'd still want it to make sure that it's in the right, you know, home. So, yeah, yeah I think you brought up some good points there. So then, you know, we give each abstract um, or every every person gives each abstract a score and and you mentioned our one through five scale um, you know generally speaking this is not a hard and fast rule by any stretch but but our sort of general guideline to all of our reviewers is that you know you should be you know take five being the highest one being the lowest um, you should not be handing out fives um generously right there there should be they should be held for the true sort of cream of the crop the ones that are your absolute favorites um at the sort of top of the spectrum and be be very discretionary about handing out those fives um you know sort of treat them as like special chips we don't we don't give you a hard fast number that you have to stick to but we generally say try to you know, sort of save those for, for which ones you think are the very, very best. Um, and, and I think that helps to, to make sure that we're really truly discerning between sessions. Like it would be really easy to just be like, so thankful we're getting all these great abstracts from the communities and just give them all fives. <laughs> but that, that doesn't help us pick the right, the right content for the, the conference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I know that for me and my experience when I was going through uh, and doing the rating or as the lead or even the, the content chair, you know, in my mind, I have kind of this top 10% is the fives, um, you know, and the next 20%, you know, and so on down the line, because to your, your comment, there's a hundred of the abstracts and all hundred are not going to be able to be selected and, right. you know, in that fashion. And so you need to be able to have a clear line of these are the ones that have to be accepted into the conference because it just, I mean, it's a, a well-written abstract. The speaker is someone who I know is very dynamic, you know, someone that, you know, gets great attendance on their sessions year over year. Uh, you know, 
it's those types of I'm going to give this a five because it absolutely has to be in the conference. There's there's no question about it. Um, you know, there, there's no debate. But you do you have to go through and and be very critical of I'm only going to give certain sessions a five uh, and rate all of them so that you know exactly why you gave you know a five versus a one. Uh, right. It has to be very clear in my mind. And and to kind of move to the next step in the process, what you described is from your individual perspective. There, there's anywhere from four to other eight other or seven other people uh, like you who are doing the same thing. And this is where it's important, as you described earlier, to have that good sort of variety of people, because mm -hmm. now now we get into the part where, OK, we've all entered our votes. The app helps to calculate an average for each session. We, we sort of stack rank the sessions based on their average score across all the voters. And now we get to debate because not everything is as cut and dry. So you may have, for example, a five that you think should really be in the conference, but I didn't give it a five. I didn't think that was necessarily a must have. So now that's where we get into the discussion around, okay, what, what are our thoughts on these different sessions and, and which ones do we think should be selected based on what we're seeing, how the scores came out? Walk, walk me through what, what, what that process is like um, and what, what some of the conversations are like uh, on some of the track teams that you've been a part of. Yeah, so I think if I just take a, a little step back, you know, and we're talking about the, the conference team and to me, Another important part of the team is having a you know broad, diverse uh, team as possible. So I know one of the things uh, in years past is you know making sure we have somebody who's uh, international, or you know making sure that we've got someone representing consulting versus industry. And I think those those to me are important factors when you're having those discussions and debates, Kevin. You know, you're you're making sure that you have the different perspectives to, you know, be able to, you know, even each other out to understand. Hey, you know, you know, in, in this industry over here, they're they're looking at a specific, uh, you know, topic this way versus you know somewhere else. So, I think that that's a, a critical part to me is putting together a team in that way. Um, so yeah. And, and, and I would agree with that, especially I can I can think of examples in the past where, and, and like you said, we definitely try to get someone from industry. And for those who don't know what we mean by that, that, that would be basically people who are working for companies doing the job every day that, that is required of a given technology or, or given Oracle software product, um, you know, versus someone who's in the consulting space uh who who does this at multiple different companies um you know under uh, a sort of a paid engagement and and not that one is necessarily better or worse than the other it but it's it's different perspectives because i can remember you know some someone from industry on the team uh commenting on a particular session as being very interesting to them um where the consulting people who were part of that same team you know the session didn't resonate as much with them and and that's because those people bring just such a different perspective in terms of what they face on a day-to-day -day basis in their jobs that sometimes isn't isn't necessarily as obvious to 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 people that come from a consulting background so it's it's always good to have that diversity like you described yeah. So those those discussions and debates take place. So those teams get together at least once, 
sometimes multiple times um, uh, to, to discuss the results of the voting. Um, and, and what they're looking for is to, to take however many abstracts that they've gotten and pare that down into the ones that they want to accept. Is that uh, a fair representation? Yes. Yes, I think that's a fair representation. Uh, you're, you're trying to get the, the best abstracts on the table um, and making sure that you've gone through all the different uh, points of debate, as we talked about, to, to me then at that point, the, the track lead in my mind and in, in the process that I've typically gone through with my track leads is they, you know, quote, present that up to me as the chair. Uh, we review that together, go through the, the abstracts that are being uh, presented for, quote, final submission. Um, and then we have a, another kind of healthy debate as far as, you know, did you consider some of these these sessions that are on the cusp or the borderline of being accepted, uh, making sure that we've got uh, a good representation? Uh, we talked about it a little bit of the, the team and making sure that that's diverse, but we want to make sure that the the content is diverse as well, uh, making sure that we're we're covering all of the the nooks and crannies of the the track as best as possible, making sure we haven't left anything out, uh, making sure that uh, there's all different topics and viewpoints that are going to be presented, uh, so that people have a a good chance to go and see you know every session that that they potentially would be interested in attending. So. Yeah, I think that, hey, that says it well. Yeah, and, and and so I think what's also important there, you know, you're you're chair of the analytics track, and and that's a fairly sort of concentrated area of focus. But like when you were an EPM content chair, EPM has many tracks underneath it as well. So when those track team or track leads are presenting to you as content chair, not only are you looking at that specific track, but you're also having to look across the entire EPM community or or if you're Helen, who's who's got both database and development, um, you know, modern app development, she's got to be looking across both of those uh, holistically, or even within database, looking at DBA balance versus developer balance. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things as a content chair that you need to look at that the track leads, you know, at, at a sort of on the ground view aren't necessarily paying attention to as much. Yeah, you do have to play that, you know, oversight role to make sure that you've got good coverage. Uh, because if you're if you're responsible for a specific, you know, track or subtrack, you 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 still want to make sure that you have the best content, but you might leave something out because you don't know it's aware. You don't know or you're not aware of what it is because it's outside your purview. Right. So I, I think that's that's a very fair uh, statement to make as well. So, so then the last step in the process here uh, for you as, as a content chair before we, and, and the track leads participate in this too, is to now you've got to start putting this on a schedule. We, we, we block out days and times where sessions are going to occur. Um, and, and before we get into the sort of final decision point, which we'll, we'll sort of end on today and not go into the details of, we'll save that for another time, but, but you've got to, effectively construct the first rough draft of the schedule. Is that, uh, I think that's a good way to frame it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think that's a good way to frame it. And in years past, I've kind of 
joked about it's really kind of the the scheduling Tetris where yeah. you're going through and, and making sure that you've got, uh, you know, people in the right slots and you've got, you know, good good content coverage throughout the, the multiple days of the conference. Uh, you know, something that I try to keep in mind is I don't necessarily want a front end or back end, you know, heavier loaded schedule. I want it to be evenly distributed. Um, and what I mean by that is I don't want to just front load and have all of the, you know, what I think are those top 10, the ones that have given fives all on the first day of the conference. And I want, I want people to be able to have something, you know, really great to attend in, in my mind is those sessions along, you know, the entire conference as it goes along. So, right. yeah. The, and we have to, we have to make sure people aren't speaking at the same time, whether right. they're a presenter or a co-presenter. We, you know, obviously a person can't be in two places at once. Right. Um, I think we also. Company. So you, you try not yes. to have the same, you know, company or, or firm on the same time slot. Um, yeah, there's a, a number of different factors that come into play. Uh, part of that Tetris game that we're playing. Yeah. And, and content wise, you know, we don't want to necessarily put two sessions that are similar in nature or covering sort of similar things at the same time. That, that doesn't make sense in terms of. Uh, you know, people may want to, uh, you know, see both perspectives on those things and, and they can't do that if they're both happening at the same time. Right. Right. Okay. Well, we're, uh, we're about up at time here and I think, I think we've hit most of it pretty well. Um, I think that gives people a, a good fair, uh, you know, overview of the process that we go through. It's not, not maybe not every little single detail that gets covered, but, I think, think that's most of it. And and next time I'll talk a little bit about the the big meeting that we have to go through that sort of draft as the schedule. So each content share is working on that individually, and then we have to come together as a whole group and look across the entire schedule of the conference, which is its own fun and interesting challenge. Um, it's, it's sort of uh, everything gets magnified at that point. So We'll, we'll talk about that next time uh, on the podcast. Uh, Gary, thanks for hopping on. I appreciate you taking time over the holidays to, to chat with me about everything K-Scope. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate the invite. Anytime. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And tune in next month for K-Scope Uncovered. Thanks, everyone.